0: Welcome back everyone, This is the Blow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sullivan. and joining me is the host of the NCAA Cross Country Show, which is getting in at about 28 minutes every episode, so six minutes longer than your favorite network sitcom. It is Gordon Mack. Gordon, hello.
1: There was a comment on YouTube that said that we need to turn the NCAA Cross Country Show into a podcast, mm. which, you know. Maybe we should, but you know, I feel like it already is a podcast. It's just a YouTube podcast. It goes up on YouTube.
0: It's long enough. Yeah. When we were playing on the show, yeah, it's long enough. we thought, hey, it's just perfect YouTube length. There's no way it would be long enough for a standalone audio thing. But now if you're clocking in almost at a half hour, maybe we do need to do a podcast format. How many podcasts out there do you listen to where it's just one person talking straight for 30 minutes, though? You could be breaking some uh, good ground.
1: Yeah, I could be breaking some new grounds. There's not many. I'm trying to think. Oh uh, no, I listened to uh, the Tim Dillon Show, which is a comedian who uh, mm-hmm. he does have a co-host, but the co-host just like laughs at his jokes. So, mm-hmm. but he just rants the entire time. It's not really an interview
0: podcast. So, anyway, but still, there's there's somebody there though. There's somebody there. You there's are just there. talking yeah. directly into your camera. For 30 straight minutes or 28 minutes now. What is that? Two weeks? Or 28, 26, 17. You're trending up. You're trending yeah. up here. We could be at a 45-minute well, episode.
1: Well, next week's uh, episode four is going to be me coming up with a solution to the problem that happened this past weekend where the number two team in the nation didn't race at their home meet, a national mm-hmm. caliber mm-hmm. home meet, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. how to get teams to race more often and it matter. And there not be this mindset that the only thing that matters is November. We just have to the entire regular season is about getting ready for November. You know, mm-hmm. that's not what happens in football week six of sec football. They're not thinking, Hey, win or lose the only thing that matters is the college football playoff. Like, no, they got to win because they want to make the college football yeah. playoff. So, I created a system, and I think it's really good. I call it the Galaxy Brain
0: XC uh, idea. Okay. uh, It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. So, I'm excited. So now maybe this is a podcast because you're doing the thing where you have the tease at the end, and then you're like, that's next time on Serial. And then you're going to like pick up where you left off with this alternate theory. I kind of like how you're doing this with cliffhangers.
1: Trying. Trying to make content, man. Trying to make YouTube content. We're YouTube people, right? Like and subscribe. This is a YouTube podcast. So like and subscribe.
0: That is true. That is true. Okay. So on today's show, we're going to do the Chicago Marathon preview. We also might touch on a couple other topics, but the lion's share of today will be dedicated to the Chicago Marathon. And then on Friday, we'll do Boston. We'll do Boston because Boston is going to be on Monday. Chicago is going to be on sunday uh by the way the race available in canada and australia on on flow track if you're in canada australia you want to watch chicago marathon you can watch that on on flow track but there was actually some some big news in chicago because they basically added a whole bunch of people and had a whole bunch of people scratch and this happens additions and subtractions happen all the time in major marathons but not i don't think in this type of volume and not announced all at once. Um, so we'll be able to discuss whether or not, you know, these changes are going to make it easier or harder for, for specific American athletes or just in general. Is it going to improve the quality of the field? Um, what what was your first thought when you saw all these these changes in the in the Chicago field?
1: Yeah, Travis, uh, there's a link in the uh, in the thing called Who's In, Who's Out. If you want to put up that link so you can show the, the people who are added and people who are removed from. And then I kind of want, I want to ask you, who do you, th- I mean, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a trade who, who do you think wins this trade? Put it up here. I mean, you have Mola, El, El, Abasi, I'm bad at names, Kimarui, Correer, Kukuchi, Ayala, Sidvan, I could go on and on. And then people coming, those are people who mm-hmm. have left. And then notables who have come in is Ruben, Kipiego, Dixon, Chamba, Kengo Suzuki. I'm going to be honest. I don't know many of these names. I haven't heard of many of these mm-hmm. people. But notable like Americans leaving is Sid Vaughn. That's probably the most notable American. And then the notable Americans coming in are people like Bob Thompson, Sarah Pagano, mm-hmm. um, E. Butler. You can see the full list on your screen if you're watching on YouTube.
0: So. On the women's side, it undoubtedly got stronger because you added, yeah. on the women's side, uh, Vivian Kipligat, who's run 221, and Meseret Balete, who's run 224. Now, ordinarily, you say 221, 224 in the air of major marathoning. Heck, we just saw what happened in London with all those women who were sub 219. But in this field, where you only had Ruth Chepnegich and then a huge gap, and then a whole bunch of Americans, it makes a big difference in terms of who could win and obviously how many Americans if you're looking at it from an American perspective can get in to the podium, right? Or you'll know, get in that top 5 or get in that top 10 because now you've added two women there who legitimately are top 3 in this race and if something happens to Chip Negich could obviously win. Now, on on Monday show, you floated the possibility hey, you know, Sarah Hall you know, Kira D'Amato, like Emma Bates, these women could win because in a marathon we're used to things going wrong. And yeah, Chip Negich is a huge favorite. Her PB is three minutes better than Sarah Hall. She's run a world title. She's run fast times. But someone having an off day in a marathon is very, very common. So the if only one if only one person has to have a bad day for you to be able to win, I think you're in a pretty good position. So on the women's side of things, I think this dramatically increases the the, the quality of the race just by adding these two women, even though it is someone who, if you just look at PBs, Kiplogott would slot in at the three seed, Balete would sl- sl- slot in at the five seed, but it just adds more women who sub 225, in Kiplegott's case, she's a low 221 woman. So I think it adds quality. Now, can an American still win this race? To me, Gordon, I still say absolutely yes. Absolutely yes, because Hall can beat both those women on a good day, and then you still come down to the fact of, okay, Chip Negich would just need to have an off day, and then Hall is right there in position to win.
1: Yeah, so I think the additions and subtractions don't really change much of the dynamic of the, the men's and women's field. Women, it does add a little bit more depth, like you mentioned, but yeah, in general, the same kind of top storylines of kind of Chip Negich versus the Americans is still going on in the women. And on the men's side, everyone wants to know what Galen Rupp does. Can he kind of bounce back from his Olympic, from his Olympic run of eighth place? So for Travis's purposes, let's do a little bit of some clips here, man. Let's, let's, let's dive it first into the men's field and do a little men's preview and then we'll go into the women.
0: Yeah. So that was my women's preview, but that's okay. All right. Let's go to the men though. Let's, let's talk about the men's field. Um, cause you talked about the additions and subtracts. So. Kipiego is in. He just ran really fast in Milan. So Ruben uh, Kipiego gets added to the field, uh, 203.55 in Milan. Mola is out, 203.34. But presumably, Gordon, the reason he's out is because he wasn't ready to run. So anytime you're taking out a guy who's not ready to run and replacing him with someone who just ran sub 204 makes the field tough. Tura, 204.29, also in Milan. Then you add in Chumba and Suzuki, two sub 205 guys. In there as well i think the men's field yeah you could match up the pbs and say it's it's a little bit more difficult but by and large the challenge remains the same for galen rubb and that challenge is he's going to have to beat multiple people with pbs faster than him in order to win this race and that was the reality before all the scratches and additions and that is still the reality and he's going to have to do it on a shorter type of buildup. now the shorter type of buildup we've seen Rupp bounce back and do two races in quick succession and it go well for him I'm thinking back I know it was a different race in, in Boston that year with the horrible weather where for some people it wasn't really a race didn't even didn't even finish but came back later and, and ran really well in, in Prague and got his PB that still stands today do you think and this is tough to forecast times because all the times have been really much slower than we thought this year do you think this is a two Oh four race? And if it is, do you think Galen up can run two Oh four?
1: I, I don't think it's a two Oh four race because like of the trends we're seeing with slower times. I think for some reason athletes are just not in the, the go, go, go mode. I mean, some of them were when they went out hard, but then they kind of over estimated their pace and kind of died in the second half. But I think this is going to be more of like a 205, 206 mm-hmm. race. And then if Galen Rupp wins, it's like a 207 race. That's what I think. I think if, the, if a, non, a non-Galen Rupp win will be 205, 206, a Galen Rupp win will be like a 207.
0: Well, that's what I think. I think the first part of your statement would be good news for Galen Rupp just in general. if he knew going in hey this it's not going to take it's not going to take 204 like there's not enough quality here for them to run 204. yeah we've seen people the fall this fall marathon season running slower than their pbs not coming in and bettering them and some people have but but the top line folks on the men's side have not been doing that women have men have not if that trend continues then you think because you see 20355 Someone you're not that familiar with, and you think, okay, we'll get them in this bigger race, get them in this faster race. Maybe they're gonna run 20320. But that hasn't been the case this fall. It's oh, the 203 runner then runs 204, the 202 high runner then runs a 203 or 205. So yeah, I I still think it's a long shot for Rup. I think top three would be a huge accomplishment here. Um, you know, coming back the short turnaround. Tough. I know I brought up 2018 where he DNF'd in Boston and then came back and ran the 206 in Prague a little bit different because of the the DNF. Um I don't I think this is gonna be tough. Again, he, the the thing he has on a lot of these guys though, right? There's not one, okay, that person's definitely going to beat you type person. There's not a Kipchoge in this field, even someone like Lawrence Chirono, proven guy who's won a bunch of majors not in this field. Yeah, there's guys who've run big races in here, but everybody seems beatable when I look at this field.
1: Yeah, there's no like consistent winner in the field. Um, And when you don't have that, it means you have someone who can put on a good day, run fast 203, 204, but on a bad day, be back in the pack running 208 or DNFing. So you just don't know what you're going to get from that group of eight up front. How many of them are going to have good days or versus bad days? That's what's crazy about this mm-hmm. marath- About marathons in general, is that like there's almost cut some there's almost like a little bit of a a luck aspect to it, right? You just know the events, there are going to be a, a percentage that just have off days, and that not everyone is going to be their true self and their true form. You know, like Ruben Kipiego is, and, and Seifu Tura. They're not going to both run the ex- faster or the exact time that they did in Milan. Right. It's just, it's mm-hmm. not how it works. One of them is going to run slower. Maybe one of them runs faster. Maybe they both run faster, but we, it's nothing is set in stone. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing though, looking at it, is this Galen Rupp's like final chance at like a victory? Like, if Galen comes out here and gets fourth or fifth, mm-hmm. is it going to be kind of the end of thinking like Galen Rupp can win a major? Cause well, we think, I keep on thinking of his major win, but the more I think about it, it's like, it feels like so long ago, right? Was it 2017 he won?
0: Yeah. The, the, in Chicago. Right. So
1: yeah.
0: I don't think that's a, I, I agree. I don't think that's too dramatic of a question to ask, especially because Next year, the fields aren't going to be split up as much. So you'd think this is the opportunity. This is the the parting of the seas that Rupp or any other underdog in this situation would need to win. However, different fields break different ways. There's obviously big upsets. And if he's able to stay at the 206-207 level, there's always a chance in Boston he can break through. but. I do think this is his, this seems like one of the better chances remaining in his career. Because again, when are you going to get a field like this? Like, yes, these guys, 203, 204 PBs, but when is the marathon ever going to get easier? Right? It doesn't seem that like that is is going to happen. Now we've seen it flatten out a bit. Looks like it's flattening out a bit. And I say that and maybe the marathons this weekend will be super fast or the you know marathon in Valencia, New York. There'll be new people popping up. But I think at the very least, it's staying the same. I don't think it's regressing at all. He's obviously getting older. His Olympic performance, you know, he he moved backwards from where he was in in 2016. So would it be too dramatic to say this is his last best chance at a podium finish or to win? I don't think that that's too, too dramatic of a statement because you take into account what's going on in the world with the marathon. You take into account that the talent pool is split up. And you take into account his recent results, it it makes sense. It makes sense to, to draw that conclusion.
1: Yeah. And it also is like I mean, this is gonna go back to the take I had during the Marathon project back in Arizona in twenty end of twenty twenty. Just visually seeing no Americans in the conversation of the actual of like the 204s the 205s 203s 202s even 206s it's just one gallon right no 207s yeah, yeah. it's just what what does what is was america not doing right that we can't have a handful of like five guys in the 206 or faster like we're able to have a handful of guys in the sprints, a handful of guys in the 800s, in the, in the mile. When it comes down to it, because you know you can qualify two guys to a, a world final, but like we're seeing a bunch of like two elevens and two twelves. and I get it. Not all these people are like destined to be all time greats in the mm-hmm. all, at the world level. So like you should don't hold that against them. Like they're just. They're just good because that's they're they're hitting their ability. But US is one of the best, you know, systems for running in the world, right? We have the NCA system. People come from other countries to come train here in their eighteen to twenty-two years. And yet for some reason the marathon just hasn't clicked. And I it's just frustrating. You want you want us you I mean, maybe I'm being biased, but it's just You're seeing it happen on the women's side, right? You see, I mean, not 100%. There's still a little bit of separation between some of the top East Africans and Americans. But, you know, we can can look at the American women and be like, yeah, I feel like I could come up with five to six names that I would bet on breaking, running 220 or faster in the next five years. Or just like that that we could argue would win a major. Whereas there's only one American who can win a major on the men's side. But I could say, I could think of six that could win a major on the women's side.
0: Yeah. And you go back even farther. Okay. You extend it to Meb. So then you have Meb and Rupp on one side of it. And then the women's side, you can come up with a long list. Yeah. Right. Going back to people who were in contention, maybe not even necessarily one, but people who were in the mix and were running fast times. So. Yeah, I hear you. It's a, it's a men's issue. Women are, and have been knocking out of the park in the United States for, for several years now, it's just that the depth on the men's, the men's side, you could get into a pretty big debate with someone about who the second best American men's marathoner is right now. I bet you asked 10 people, you'd get at least five or six different responses of who number two is right now. No one, no one has stepped up and, and filled that mantle. Yeah. And for that so reason, what do you think, uh, it's like why would Rupp Why would Rub stop? You know, if you're like if yeah. you're Galen Rupp, it's just like I can do this for a bunch more years, and maybe I'm not going to be able to win a major, but I'm going to win the Olympic trials over and over again. Yeah. I'll be the best top. I'm going to be the top American. I'm going to be the number one draw every single time I enter a race when it comes to Americans.
1: Yeah, it's not like he has the men's one hundred quality field mm-hmm. staring him. To push him out to retirement yeah. he has right oh guys i just got, guys i just need to be a 210 shape all right cool see ya like yeah. i'll i'll be ready to go um, he
0: could be in 210 shape for a while he's going to be in 210 shape for a while for i think while. that's fair yeah. to say
1: you want to talk a little bit about the the women's field i know you thought you previewed it but i i wanted to kind of keep it separate we talked about the changes in the yeah. fields then we previewed the men now let's preview
0: well, hold on. Before you do that, uh, I just want to check in on the chat. Patrick says, our best distance guys are staying in the 5 and 10. We don't have our top runners on the roads, which I think is is part of it. It's part of it. Right? Like, you think of when Ryan Hall succeeded in the marathon. Now, granted, he was a, a major talent, but he went to the roads relatively early. The women, a lot of those women that we, we spoke of were relevant on the track and then still were going to the roads. Now, you could say, all right, it's it's because the women's fields are different that they're able to still stay competitive in both but on the men's side it still seems as if the mentality is finish what you're doing on the track and if you're a top 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 runner and then go over to the roads and the people that go to the roads aren't the people who are the best at the track the people who go early i should say the roads what do you think about that theory
1: yeah well the thing is though like the women's side it's they're not sacrificing their 5K, 10K people for the roads because I don't think Carissa Schweizer is like – Yeah, but like Shalane was good go... at
0: both at the same time. Yeah. Molly Huddle like, did, did both. Sisson we just saw made the Olympic team in the 10K and then she's going to jump back into the marathon. They bounce back and forth a bit more yeah. effortlessly. Like, like the question would be Grant Fisher. If Grant Fisher just decided this next year I'm going to be a marathoner or I'm going to try to make a marathon team. How fast could he go? Now, we're used to the, getting all ho- excited and hyped about these these debuts, and then they don't go well, and then they, they run the 211 or 212 or 213. Like, oh, okay. But a lot of those, if you go back and look, they're with guys who had run out the string already on the track career. It wasn't the 24 or 25-year-old who was right in the middle of it.
1: Do you think someone like like a Connor Mance – should skip track yeah. and go right to the marathon
0: yeah I mean well he would be the he would be the extreme profile of it right, because he already runs huge mileage and he has a skill set that's already set for the marathon, so that would to me that would make sense, and I would expect you're going to see a man's marathon I mean he tried to do trials, didn't he in 2020 and then he got he got hurt. he would yeah. definitely fit into the profile, but I'm talking about even guys who are still international caliber in the 10k going and doing it. Cause that's what these, these guys are, right? These guys that are running 203, 204, they just happen to, If they, if they weren't in Kenya and Ethiopia, they'd be making teams. They could make teams in 10ks and 5ks as well too. Problem is they're 50th in line when it comes to the five and 10 in their own country. So yeah. we don't see them on the track. The, and then all the money and all the financial incentives are, or on the roads, but it, it seems like the women, you get a better there. If you just create one big bucket of distance runner and you don't discriminate based on five, 10 and all that other stuff, you say five, everything, five K up, you get the more credentialed athletes moving up or at least trying it when they're still, um, in their prime versus the men.
1: Yeah. I guess like, you'd probably want to see like a Joe Klecker do it early. Like mm-hmm. The Bowman guys, I don't think Woody K is a high-mileage guy. Maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe because he's always yeah. hurt. And it so wouldn't work. I was always thinking it wasn't yeah. run much. But it doesn't work for everyone.
0: And here's the thing. It doesn't work for everyone, and a lot of them, it wouldn't work out at all. And the, the difference between if you just say, let's just make a benchmark of sub, I don't know, what, like sub 28, right, for 10K. So, and you had every, you had every U.S. – person well let's just bump it up make it even more inclusive sub 28 30. they all ran a marathon just to test just to see how good they were well the bench is a lot deeper in these other countries so they could absorb a bunch of people flaming out and not making it versus the United States is when you drop down and get faster and faster and faster like you get into the okay well if we want all our sub 28 guys to run a marathon well yeah if if it doesn't work out for half of them it's a small number it's a much smaller number than than Kenya and Ethiopia
1: yeah, therefore, there's less um, chance taken to abandon track because if – Right, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. That, that, that would sure be like – If is, you go like back – that, that would be the true marathon project with the name Project, where yes. you see a runner 28, 15 and faster in, in the past two years and say, I don't care what what, what state of your of your career you're in. You're spending six months training for this marathon project marathon, and we want to see we want to actually develop a a great marathoner and we know we have to take it from the ten k field that is young and in their their prime how much how much do you think it would cost to <laughs> pay oh, let's 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 bring it up right now okay let's look at um your lists I'm logging in. I got the number. Uh,
0: what do you want? Twenty eight
1: thirty? Yeah, just, just
0: that that fast. Uh there's thirty-four guys fat sub twenty-eight thirty this year in the US.
1: So it's not due twenty eight thirty, it's do twenty-eight flat. Okay. So I want nineteen. So this would be the field. Grant Fisher, Woody Kincaid, Ben True, Emmanuel Bohr, Klecker... Mance, Sam Chalenga, Frank Lara, Robert Brandt, Eric Hammer, James Marwara, Isaiah Isai Rodriguez, Dylan Maggard, Blaise Farrow, Jacob Thompson, Marn Herher, Galen Rubb, Bia Simbasa, and um Abdi Hamid Nur. Those are all of our sub 28 guys this year. Mm-hmm. Now let's mm-hmm. look at, I'm going to look at 2019 as well, see if there's any other notables that like. Okay, Lopez Lemong. Paul Chalimo, let's throw those people in there as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have 20 guys who are all in their best 10K shape of the past two two to three years. How much would... Some of those guys have already done the marathon, like Sam Chalenga, so it wouldn't matter for those types. But how much would we need to pay each of those athletes for them to abandon... (laughs) <laughs> like not just a ban- not, not abandoned but for them to prioritize running a fall marathon in 2022 to the best of their ability now they can still do their track races still try to qualify for Eugene or whatever but mm-hmm. it needs to be in like a shell like in the training for a marathon
0: right right right
1: yeah how much do you think you'd have to pay these athletes to all abandon their 10k and 5k dreams
0: for a fall marathon in 2022? Hundred thousand dollars, double. Age? Well, yeah, double. Just take their salary and double whatever they're making, just double it. Everybody. Can okay, so we that, double right? their salary. Yeah, double their salary. But here's a cheaper way to do this. Here's a cheaper way to do this. Actually, this prime. Actually, I don't know if it's cheaper, but this is building off of what you said about project, right? You take every single graduating senior from, or person who's leaving NCAA, American who's leaving NCAA, have them do a half right before they leave, or you have them train for two months or something, pay them, and then you pay, you could just give them a stipend basically and see where the potential is. Because there could be somebody who was the third guy on their team who, or, or you're right. Somebody who's a, a fringe 10K guy on the U on the U S side of things, but it's just an amazing half marathon, and then you go from there. You do that too.
1: Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. The, the, the weird thing is, there is more money in road racing, but for some reason, yeah, there's. I guess more and more money for if you're a top three guy in track, and all the four, five, six, eight, nine, ten guys in track believe they can be the top three guy in track, yeah. they can dream of that money as opposed to settling for, you know, a sure thing in, in road money.
0: But yeah. Anyway, set- that's for- that'll set- be a true
1: marathon project. Is we literally force all the top 10k runners in the US is like hey Paul Zelino I know you want to win gold in yeah. Eugene I'm sorry but what we're doing here is we're taking your body and we're trying to see if we can develop an insane marathoner like would Galen Rupp so, have run 205 by now or 204 by now if he went for the marathon in 2012
0: Yeah I, yes I think he would be undoubtedly yeah, I, I think he would be way, way faster. Okay, so look at this. This is the all-time U.S. 10K list, right? All-time U.S. 10K list. Uh, Rupp, obviously ran a marathon. Selinski, number two, never ran a marathon. Lopez LeMong, number three, never ran a marathon. Shadrach cheer number four, never ran a marathon. Grant Fisher, never ran a marathon yet. Kincaid, never ran a marathon. Then Meb, great marathoner. Ben True, an eight. Abdi. I'd say, I mean, made a ton of a uh, ton of Olympic teams. Obviously, solid marathoner made teams, and then uh, tenth is Leonard Career, who ran ha- had that one really fast marathon. Do you remember? Career's yeah. marathon. What was he? Two oh. He I think he ran two oh six. Am I not mistaken on that? With uh, in Prague,
1: yeah. and it, he was fourth of the trials.
0: Two oh seven. Excuse me. He just went to it late Got the. Yeah, he went to at the country wrong, and I got the. Uh, Time wrong, but 207 56, which is way under that, that barrier. So, half of them having run it though. I mean, and you go farther down there, yeah. Ritz obviously was was good, but if someone like you know, Shadrach Kip Chircher, or someone like I'm looking down there, Klecker would make sense. It'd be very interesting to watch.
1: I mean, Lopez LeBong is kind of the one person who we're most likely to have a chance at. I mean, it's going to be a half measure, half measure because. He is getting up there in age. Um, yeah, he's a year the, older than yeah. only a year older than Rupp, but LeMong probably would have made the Olympic team this year if he hadn't been hurt. Maybe not, but you would assume he was in shape too. Yeah. So you take his kind of whatchamacallit? gonna call it? I forget the word I'm trying Speed. to say. I'm bad with. Yeah, yeah, not speed, but like his longevity. His longevity, yeah. in the sport, maybe he can pop a fast one, but kind of like how Mikaela is trying to extend his career, pop a fast one post his yeah. long track career. Uh, so a fast one for like U.S. Met, standards, not for world standards.
0: But here's what I think: the important stat is how soon after your 10K PR are you running a marathon? Because it's not helpful if you run your 10k PR in 2021 and then you make your marathon debut in 2030, right? That, we, I think we agree that's the problem. Like, there's not enough depth in America to have that sort of difference. Like, you need to be still being able to bring that sort of 10k time close to it. Like Meb's, so Meb's Meb's 2713 was in uh, 2001 and i'm looking up his his marathon debut was in 2002 the next year he ran new york now his marathon career didn't start off with a bang but he at least was getting reps you know and then in in 2 years time he was second in new york so i think you just the commitment needs to come a lot earlier it can't be the thing at the very very end of your career for these these top guys and it needs to be pushed closer forward like it was with Ryan Hall yeah
1: the only thing that will do it is you got to incentivize them. Give them some little bit of dough. Yeah. We got to, you got to figure it out. We, you gotta, um, big time, rich, wealthy person. Who's like, all right, I'm going to find like a class of people and I'm going to pay them and incentivize them to stay away from the track and go right to the marathon and see if it, it works out. You know, kind of like horse racing. can have racing live a house. Or get their, their star you horse. If you if you could if you could uh, if you could pick four people, four men yeah. who have yet to graduate college, who what four would you say I want you only on the marathon? I think we both obviously say college. Mance. Yeah, man's you know, yet is to, a, to go Mance is, one. Uh, so Mance is number yeah, one. So who Mance, would the three be?
0: Um, let me think here. Not in a goose. I'd want him in the mile. I'm not putting a yeah. goose in the marathon. And Americans, I going do that too.
1: him. And Americans only.
0: Yeah. Well, he's American, so remember he made the Olympic team. Yeah, no, I've watched um, just for. Um, I mean, Nico. Would you go? Would you go early on Nico?
1: I think I would. Yeah, Nico would make sense.
0: I mean having someone at yeah from NAU with the with the altitude. I don't know are there is there obvious two other picks?
1: I mean would you sure? consider Cooper Tier?
0: Well, he's the exact type of person I'm describing cuz he has that he has that speed. So you're you're oh, yeah. getting an A-lister to go to the marathon. You're not getting someone who doesn't have speed and is going to the marathon just to go to the marathon. Yeah, if I had if I if this was like the Breaking 2 project where you're trying to cobble together a group of people who each have like very specific skills and your goal is just like one of them pan out cuz if you have mance on one side of it isn't Cooper tears in some ways the other extreme
1: Yeah. I mean he's a 350 both- miler, you know, like
0: yeah. Yeah. Not to, not to say mance couldn't run a decent mile and not to say like tier can't grind. They both they both can do those things. But if you're projecting to the future, Mance is the obvious. Hey, this guy's going to run a marathon the moment he leaves college, or maybe when he's still in college. Versus Tier, you could see Tier going back and forth between the 15 and the five. You could see Tier being reluctant even to run like a pro 10k for a while. So I I think that would be that would be interesting. So yeah, I, I'd take those two. I would I would take um, I take Nico as well. Maybe yeah, a couple years.
1: And I, I would probably I'd also expect- take Abdi Hamid Nur, right? I mean, it's basically take the best cross-country runners, right? The top four cross-country runners that are Americans. You could argue Isai Rodriguez, but he's always been hurt. But that would be the play. Just take top cross-country runners. Let's take the top five Americans in cross-country. Yeah. Say, say goodbye to your track career. You're going all in on the marathon, and you're going to be going one, two, three at the 2028 Olympic Games. You know.
0: Yeah. Look, because Ryan Hall is an outlier. So it's tough because when you say, well, just do what Ryan Hall did. But then you forget Ryan Hall is really, 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 really good for a really long time. And not everybody's going to fit that well with the marathon. But if most people are waiting eight years after college to run a marathon or seven years after college to run a marathon, it's you're not getting the best version of that person. I think that's fair to say. Yeah people might argue that because all oh, you need years and years and years to build up the mileage. But it's just like, that hasn't been borne out with what we've seen um internationally Um or even. Yeah. And you yeah. have already so,
1: eight, you have eight years of that mileage kind of, I mean, maybe six from high school and college already. Right. It's not like these kids yeah, start running at age yeah. 22. <laughs> they, yeah. They've been running a lot longer before that. They put a lot of miles on. Their I think it's
0: already. a, yeah, I think it's a calculated risk. It's like, do I really want my career to come down to two big moments every year when I just started? And if I get hurt, then what happens? And that's why they take a much more cautious approach. And distance coaches are always going to err on the side of caution. doesn't matter what level they're at. It's just That's just part of it, right? They're going to be really, 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 really careful not to have something go wrong and not to, to ruin anything. Okay, let's jump over to the women, though. Uh, right up at the top. So there's two two big additions there on the women's side of things with Vivian Kiplagat and Meseret Balete. Neither of them are headliners, but they add depth to this field that really did not have any international depth. It was Ruth Chepnegich and then a whole bunch of space before the next international athlete. And that was filled up by, by Americans like Sarah Hall, like Kira D'Amato, like Emma Bates. So this race is going to be fascinating to me because Chepnevich has the ability to win this thing by three minutes, but it's a marathon, and that's a lot of pressure that you're putting on one person to just maintain their, you know, spectacular form for mile after mile after mile. So I still think Paul and Damato have a puncher's shot at winning this thing. I think if you're talking top three, I still think you're going to get at least one American on that podium with the with the potential for two. How how do you how do you see it? Gordon. I mean, this thing is very American heavy just as a byproduct of all these world marathon majors taking place in the same couple months.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure who's gonna win. Cause you know, I this I think I believe that Chip Nagitz will win if she if she just runs to her standard. Now, will there or not something happens, get a side stitch, not your day, blah, blah, blah. That's going to be the only reason she loses. I don't think she'll get outbeat. Like, I don't think she's going to run 218 and lose or run even 219 low and lose, right? So the only way she loses is if she kind of falls off and you can't predict that. So I have no idea. But what I can predict is I think Sarah Hall, she's a grinder. I think she's going to be eyeing 219.36, Dina Caster's record. And I think... There is a fifty-one percent chance that she runs two
0: nineteen thirty-five. Wow, what? Why the optimism?
1: You know, we need that. We need some optimism. Uh, she Fair. is like in her in her prime, slash slowly leaving it, so that she doesn't have many last opportunities to go for it. She's mm-hmm. already run two twenty thirty two. She's said that she wants to break the record here, so she has that in her mind. Like it's kind of like go for broke. This is it, you know. And yeah, she's already done enough in a in her career where she doesn't need to kind of like be cautious of mm-hmm. like, all right, I don't, I don't want to blow up. Like she's just gonna like, hey, I either gonna blow up or I'm yeah. gonna or I'm gonna be an American record. holder. And I think. She's gonna put herself in position. And if she's in position, that's I'll give it fifty one percent. That that's what gives her the extra ten percent in my mind, is I know a half marathon, she'll be in position to break it. And it won't be like uh like oh you're out of it after ten miles type type deal.
0: Yeah. Sixty eight forty four is what she ran as a half marathon tune up at the end of August, but she hasn't run any marathons this year, I don't know what the pacing situation's gonna be like. I'm assuming if she's going for that mark, there's gonna be people who can, who can help her get there because I don't, if she runs 219, she could end up basically in this huge gap between Chepnegetch, who could be a minute or so in front of her and then all the other women who could be one to two minutes behind her. So I think this is, this is gonna set up more like a time trial if she runs that time. And it would be a race, and that might be to her benefit that it's set up like that, to where she's not really having to think about covering moves. You know, different people react differently, but Sarah Hall has proven she's a gamer over the last couple of years. You give her, you throw her in a different environment, you throw her in back-to-back races. She's gonna, she's gonna give it a great run. I mean, we saw what she did last year in London, and then in the marathon project. That's fast, though, that American record. I mean, there's a lot of women who have who have taken a shot at that, or at least uh, competed in fast marathons uh, since Caster's mark. But I mean, Hall, Hall's worked her way into the equation here. She's worked her way into the serious serious discussions about this this record. What about the rest of the American field? Who do you think uh, could surprise or have a, have a podium race?
1: I feel like a lot of us have forgotten about D'Amato and her crazy 2020 season, how she went from... Mm-hmm. Oh, this is cool. A mom is going and running fast in track. And like, this is a great applaud. You ran 15.05. So like, holy shit. She's like potentially a top three candidate in the 10K maybe, you know, and after she's now ran her 222 marathon, now she's like in the mix for, you know, top, you you know, being a top American in any major marathon. So, uh, I'm excited to We kind of forgot about her because she had to scratch the trials. Um, I think she's training fine. I, people, but I, I think someone told me about her Instagram posts of her training. I don't follow a lot of runners on there Strava or Instagram. Go. So I rely on other runners to tell me about other runners doings. And so that's why I know that Kira D'Amato has been training. Um, I think like, that's yeah. Good. She ran like a fast tempo run or something the other day. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, So I'm excited to see her. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for her. This is kind of her first elite race in reality. I mean, she was in the marathon project, but that was so kind of unique and weird. That was like, everyone was like together and like, we're doing this because we have nothing else. And there is less pressure. Like winning doesn't mean everything and all that stuff here. It's the Chicago Marathon. It's the elite field. There's East Africans coming and racing you. You know, it's a whole, whole thing. Yeah. And you mean as like, you, a, her.
0: you mean as like her first elite race as somebody who can contend for the the actual win.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's gonna be like, oh man, like I have the fourth lowest bib here. Like there's right, a 102, yeah. a 103, 104, and I'm 105. Like there's yeah, expectation yeah. for me. Like. Yeah. If I the lower the
0: bib, the more pressure.
1: Exactly. Like she won't. She won't be. She'll be on the the first row of the starting line, not the second row. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how she does. And then, yeah, I think you know, there's a lot of other Americans in here. A lot of 230, 229 women. That there could be an opportunity for some other big breakthroughs where we add another 225 runner to the list of current 225 or faster runners. Um, So yeah, I'm excited for... There will be one or two breakout women who run a fast two... They finish top five and they run 225 or something. And then I'm excited for D'Amato and Hall. Hall for their record and D'Amato for her kind of establishing herself as like a player this next um, marathon cycle.
0: You're right. I think there's going to be at least one american woman who runs a time that really gets our attention or finishes in a like way up there in terms of place and you thinking, okay this could this could this turn into something in the next year and we'll keep yeah. track of them going into the spring so that's the chicago marathon taking place on sunday as i mentioned canada I'll show you you can watch on flow track let's see what else we got in the rundown here oh i had this story about valencia marathon uh, putting the heat on the World Marathon Majors. You didn't like that, so we scratched that story. We're not going to do that one. Gordon <laughs> vetoed that in the meeting. Uh, Kenya, apparently, listen to the pod. No, uh, I'm pumped. They're uh, they're going to bid to host 2025 Worlds, according to an article in in the BBC. They have put in the bid. Athletics Kenya President Jackson Tue says that they have submitted a, a bid he said to BBC Sport Africa, we feel like Kenya is the spiritual home of athletics. Now you and I talked about this before, prior to that Nairobi Diamond League, or sorry, Continental Tour meet. And one of the interesting side effects was just the altitude and how fast it would make sprints. And that came to fruition this year as well too. We talked about how exciting it would be to have it in a place that cares about track as much as Kenya. It appears that, Tokyo is also going to bid, which would make sense because they have the Olympic Stadium already there. So in the same way that you know, London hosted in 2012 and then hosted World Championships, Beijing hosted in 2008 and then hosted a World Championships. Rio did not do that, but it, it would make sense for for Tokyo to do it. But what do you think about the spiritual home, as it's being called? Uh, Kenya bidding to host the 2025 World. You still on board?
1: Yeah, I just like the phrase spiritual home. I like uh-huh. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is my spiritual home. Like is it a certain like fast food joint that I go to way too often for my own liking? <laughs> like It's a raisin. Can drive can foods can my spiritual home. <laughs> getting a cheesesteak. No, actually, no, I I would say actually no. My spiritual home is in Austin. It is a cheesesteak place called Way South Philly. It's like the only good mm-hmm. cheesesteak place in Austin, Texas, and I called that my spiritual home. I mm-hmm. like check this out. Should I tell you how much it's my spiritual home? I'm gonna show you behind the scenes. It, they, mm-hmm. it used to be a food truck that was near my old apartment, and then they moved like five miles away, so I just have to drive there now. But I talked to the guy, and he gave me there. Yeah, I a see food it. truck sign.
0: Boom. Your spiritual home. It's the tagline that says spiritual the spiritual home. home of Gordon Mack. Um I, I mean I mean we, we talked about how great this was before and how interesting of opportunity it could be. So now that it's now that it's official, what what do you think what should and what will World Athletics do, do you think?
1: I think they're gonna pick Tokyo. Um but I think this is maybe this isn't the sign that Kenya, I think it's the sign that Kenya will host before 2030. That's what I think. Okay,
0: we just won't be at we'll 25. It
1: just may not be 2025. So I think Tokyo is going to be hard to beat because Tokyo is be like, you know, we can do crazy things, you know, and mm-hmm. we can draw a lot of people. Kenya can draw people too, but um, we're going to be like Qatar, but with people in the stadium. So imagine <laughs> that atmosphere. But with people, I literally you know, with can't the whole, imagine like, that. <laughs> High tech and all that stuff. Um, well, so, what are the order? So we have we have Eugene twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three is where's that Belgrade,
0: Budapest, Budapest, in Hungary. Budapest 2024, then- Paris the Olympics, twenty five TBD, twenty six nothing unless Subco re- returns my emails about having a world championship every year that there's not an Olympics because it's cool then 27 is TBD and then 28 is LA. So yeah, yeah I'm guessing Paris would probably be a spot to, to bid as well too, after they host the Olympics. But yeah, 25 and 27, maybe a, maybe a combo deal. We've seen that before. Here, here's the thing though, um, do you think they're more likely to give it to Tokyo because Tokyo didn't have fans for the Olympics? So you never got that at, you never got that true atmosphere. And this would give them a a true atmosphere to use that stadium.
1: I don't think they care about all the, like, I don't think they care about the phrase spiritual home for Kenya. I don't think they care about weird situations here and there. I think they care about one thing and one thing only who can spend the most money, pay like invest the most in it. you like, They're going to always choose the venue that is willing to go all in and not half-ass it, right? I think that's why Eugene got it because, you know, they kind of were like, hey, we may have a smaller stadium, but we're going to go all in. We're going to rebuild the freaking thing. We're going to tear it down and rebuild it. We're going to, like, the only thing that matters here is track and field. We're not going to be competing against a football game or whatever or a soccer yeah. match we're You're going all in. And so I think that's what they want. Yeah. They just want they want the venues, the cities to go all in on their sport.
0: Yeah. That, I like that. That's some cold, hard truth. I think you're accurate on that. Because they're like, hey, Eugene, how bad do you want it? And they're like, are you willing to tear down 100 years of history? And they're like, yeah, we'll do that. We just want these world championships. And they did it. They actually, I don't think they thought they would do it, but then they actually did it. And they're like, oh, well, all right then uh you're actually gonna do this uh that makes it tough i was at doha i mean you've been you've been at these at these global championship meets there's a lot that you're right goes into them beyond just who's in the stands and out of the stands full i wish that was a higher priority though and i know to- tokyo would do a great job and tokyo would have awesome fans it would not be the same as as doha but i think as you talked about before putting it in Africa or putting it in the Caribbean these places where they have such great representation for the sport would just create an amazing atmosphere I know from like the bureaucratic side of things they people will always come up with hurdles that you have to overcome but just putting it in a place where it means so much would be really- where it matters yeah
1: yeah I mean yeah I mean Doha got it because the money right it's, it's yeah. they all get it
0: because of them yeah all of it's all this money but like why does eugene host stuff because it matters there right and then they eventually yeah. they got they have the infrastructure now to do it but part of the selling point now is they have the enthusiasm and now they have the enthusiasm matched with the infrastructure to make it go off but like yeah the city of eugene hosting like if you just think of it in in, in from the abstract hosting all these olympic trials and world championships and there's one Diamond League meet in the, in the United States and it's in Eugene, Oregon, a, a city of 160,000 people. like on its face, it seems crazy. but now you know it makes sense. So from that perspective, it's not absurd that some of these other places globally should should have a chance to to host the too because they can bring that same level of enthusiasm. Now is all are the other parts in line to make it go off? Well, that will take a little bit more time probably and a little more structure. But that's the same way I feel about it. Like, I love that it's in Eugene. I think it's cool when you go to a meet and everybody in the town cares about it. And likewise for world championships versus Doha, where most of the people had no idea what was going on. I mean, it's true. I was oh, there. I, mean, right in does. There. <laughs> I mean, they're literally busing people in and letting them in for, they just like, no tickets tonight. All right, like nobody knew what was going on there the entire time, world championships were there were there great performances of course but i mean the most exciting moments outside of barshim jumping the most exciting moments were uh kenyans and ethiopians competing in distance running because there were a lot of expats there who lived in qatar and were nuts about track and field and they made the atmosphere in the stadium
1: do you think there's going to be any similarities in the i mean maybe not in the lack of enthusiasm enthusiasm about the event when Qatar hosts the World Cup. Now, I know the World Cup soccer is 3,000 times bigger than track, and I get that. Yeah. But Qatar is also a hard country to get to. Like, yeah. do you think we're going to have – do you think the Qatar World Cup is going to have sold-out stadiums, or do you think there's going to be a lot of world championship vibe stadiums?
0: Yeah, I, I think it, – well, it, they were going – to extreme lengths to avoid the optics that they had in the beginning of the track meet. I would think that they would have learned from that and they'll just sold out. Like you're talking about selling tickets, that's tough. Will there be butts in seats so it looks like a sellout? Yes, I think, cause I, they were embarrassed after the, it was the women's yeah. hundred. Gordon, I can't explain to you how few people are in the stadium for the women's hunt. Like you were, you've been to high school track meets. Like you raced in high school track meets with more people in the stands than than yeah. that, like some of those sessions in Doha, like and it basically it, it felt was, like it wasn't a COVID, one of those
1: right COVID protocols, <laughs> right? It felt like one hundred percent Yeah,
0: yeah. When everybody was making those jokes before about like, oh, tracks all right, about they'll be fine. They have no crowds anyway. There was, I mean, it was insane. It it, it was actually insane. And It's one of those things you're thinking, okay, is, is it just the case of like the stadium is super big, so it looks like there's not that many people. No, man, like I could literally go and count by section how many people were in each section and 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 do it in a matter of minutes, right? Like I didn't need, I didn't need a whole bunch of like, I didn't need to like squint and be like, is that three people or is that four? That's how sparsely uh, populated that stadium was. Soccer's bigger, you're right. And I think they learned from it and it was an embarrassment, so they'll fix it. But I don't know, like I guess track is running out of places to host it that would want to host it that would be as disinterested in it as as Qatar was so that gives me hope like the choice if their choices are like for the next few years like Tokyo somewhere in Europe and Kenya like all those are going to be great all those are going to be great yeah that's what makes me feel good
1: yeah and you know as much as I did criticize World Athletics like all all that matters is the money I do think there may be a situation now that they experienced Qatar and they went for the money in Qatar, they're going to, yeah, they're going to basically, all right, let's there. It may not be the, like, if Qatar is bidding against Tokyo and Tokyo is offering a little bit less, I think they might go to Tokyo because they just realize like, Hey, we should take the haircut because we just don't want that atmosphere again. You know, we, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, how many people showed up to U twenties in Kenya to World Juniors?
0: That's a good question. Well, and that's a sign that I think it's coming too, because remember Eugene did U fourteen as a as a test case, and then they give them the bigger stuff later on. I mean, I remember all the stories about Cross in World Cross in Kenya. Now it's different; that was in Mombasa, and how crazy the. The atmosphere was for that, but I think a lot of people will go because they'll want to go to Kenya too. Yeah, like they, like these, these track and field tourists, people who like to go see different stadiums in different parts of the the world. They'll be like, we met, I met people who in the airport going from the U.S. to to Doha, who they would tell me, oh, I've been to every, I've been to every World Championship since the the 90s or the 80s like there's people who want and i'm sure some people that enthusiasm waned when it was in qatar i don't think anybody would like, avoid going to kent i think mean, that would be a total bucket yeah, list yeah. item and likewise if it was in the in the caribbean where it would be for the united states even more accessible Dude, to be able to
1: get to caribbean that's where you gotta have it yeah we need a caribbean world championships every at least every four years like is too I, I agree you need to rotate between Jamaica, Bahamas, you know. Yeah, all the places.
0: Yeah, I I think that would be spe- I'm, I haven't even been there, and I'm already excited about it. I, I I think it would be, it'd be super cool. Um, all right, so let's leave it there. We'll do the Boston Marathon preview on Friday. We we'll do the Boston Marathon preview on Friday, and then next week Boston is on Monday. So we'll have a live reaction show hopefully on Monday right after that. Still working on landing a, uh, a co-host there since you were going to be on the, on the scene. I guess we'll call you. Is that the plan? You can call me. We, yeah. Okay. You can call me okay. in reporting, reporting live from Boston correspondent Gordon Mag. All right. Thank you to everybody tuning in uh, live or listening to podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to pods. Thank you to Travis for producing. Thank you to Lon for producing. We'll talk to you guys on Friday.
1: Like and subscribe.